Open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have your Bibles with you. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse 31. 31 is going to be the main verse of our, uh, our topic today. And we're going to read through chapter 11, verse 1. By the way, um, if you've ever wondered, the chapter and the verses in the Bible are not inspired. Uh, those were just kind of put there to help you navigate through so that I wouldn't have to say, hey, open up to the letter of Corinth and now go about three-quarter of the way through. And kind of after, you know, I can just tell you, here's where we're at. And so sometimes, like this, um, actually I think chapter 11, verse 1 should actually be with chapter 10, verse 30, uh, 33. I think it's part of that section if I were dividing it. Um, Here we go. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of the many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Father, we ask for your help today in hearing your truth. God, we know that there are so many distractions. There are so many um, things that go through our head and our hearts. And Father, we're, we're apt to miss your truth. And God, we don't want to do that today. God, we want to hear your truth. We want to embrace it. We want to know it. So God, I ask you to speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. God, be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up on a farm, and uh, pretty much every day but Sunday morning, uh, I saw my dad and my grandfather wearing one of these, okay? Um, This was really important in the community that I grew up in. It's a pair of pliers and a pliers pouch, and man, I I just, I never saw my dad without these, you know? His didn't have the rubber grips on them. That's the only ones I could find this morning, but his were just the the steel, you know? And uh, my dad wore these, my grandpa wore these. When we were about four years old, they got us these for Christmas. You know, not this pair, but, you know, one like it. And so my brother and I, we walked around, you know, if we had on whatever we had on, just underwear, but we'd have a belt, a pliers pouch, you know. <laughs> we didn't wear clothes a lot. Um, but it was like a mark of manhood, you know. I mean, all the men in, in our community, that's what they wore. It was a farming community. And so, man, all my dad's buddies and all the guys that we... Uh, did business with, and we'd stop to talk to on the road, they would all have their pliers pouch. And the reason is, is because this is a universal tool, okay? You can do just about anything with a pair of pliers, okay? I mean, this this thing works in all kinds of situations. I saw my dad hundreds and hundreds of times um, take, take pieces of wire off or on, you know, fix fence, and he would use his pliers. He would put it around, tie it, tighten it up, tighten it shut. Um, I saw him use it um, all the time to to uh, like hold a bolt or a, or a nut on a bolt and then, then tighten the bolt on the other side. Uh, man, something I bet I saw him do 500 times is he would walk out into one of his fields, he'd go out and check his fields, and he would pull his pliers out and he would open it up so it had the arm and he would kneel down and he would dig. He would dig down with his pliers arm and he was digging to see how deep the moisture was. Or like after he planted, he would dig to find the seed. And so, I mean, I saw him do that hundreds of times. Um, all kinds of stuff. He used it as a hammer, sometimes with great fury, you know, um, upset at something or something wouldn't work, you know, and, um, uh, saw him do, he pull, always pulled the ticks on our dog off, you know, we'd be on the porch and he'd be like, you know, we'd be like, dad, dog's got a tick, you know, and come over with a big old white, you know, my dad always pull out his pliers and, you know, you know, but man, just, you just use it for anything, you know, I mean, that, that, that's, that's why it was so handy is because you could do all kinds of things with a pair of pliers. And so, 
You know, he always had it with him. He always had it close by. He always wore it just because it would do so many things. What I want to do today in the scriptures is I want to give you your spiritual pair of pliers, okay? I want to give you your pair of pliers that you can wear that's going to help you in, in almost every circumstance of your life, okay? Verse 31 is your pliers. It's your pliers pouch, okay? You keep it with you. The way you keep it with you is, is by memorizing it, okay? Let's, let's just do a little memorizing right quick. We're going to memorize the latter part of this. Are you ready? Start with ver- the word whatever. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, say that with me. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, say it again. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, we can memorize that, right? I mean, you can, that's not very hard. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Just say it to yourself, memorize it, think about it, put it on a card, carry it around. I'm telling you, this will be so useful to you in every area of life. Now, why is this so useful? Well, it's because, first of all, it tells us why we exist, okay? Um, The Bible is very clear that you exist for His glory. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, God says that Himself. Listen to this. He says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Why did God create you? Why do you exist? Why are you breathing? Why are you here? Why, why are you on the planet? Why are you still alive? Isaiah answers that very clearly. You are here for the glory of God. Okay. Now understanding and knowing that is very helpful. Why is that helpful? Because you need to understand what something is for in order to use it rightly. Okay. This is a watch. You know what a watch is for? A watch is to tell time. Okay. That, that's what a watch is for. Pastor Chris was just playing on a guitar. A guitar is to make music. Beulah is sitting on a chair. A chair is to hold somebody up uh, while they sit on it, okay? If you get those things confused, it's going to be really bad, okay? If Beulah comes up and sits on Pastor Chris's guitar, it's not a good thing. Pastor Chris is not happy, okay? If uh, if Winnie comes up and tries to tell time with the chair, she's not going to get very far, you know? Is it 1230? When is he going to be done? I can't tell. You're not going to know that, okay? If you try to play music on the watch, it's not going to work very well. Why? Because these things are created for a specific purpose. How much less are you right? You're created for a specific purpose. And the Bible tells us very clearly you are created for the glory of God. You're not created for yourself. You're not created for your own, 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 whatever you think you, you want to do. You are created for the glory of God. You're made for the glory of God. And this verse will help you navigate through all the decisions of your life. Okay. Should you make this purchase? Should you buy this house? Should you go on this trip? Should you take this new job? Should you pursue this relationship? Should you put your child in this activity? Should you watch this movie? Should you go to this party? Should you say what you feel like saying? How should you handle this conflict? All of those things can be helped greatly by pulling out your spiritual pair of pliers and saying, is this to the glory of God? Am I taking this new job for the glory of God? Am I staying in my old job for the glory of God? Are we buying this house for the glory of God? Are we doing this ministry for the glory of God? Is this for the glory of God? It's an all purpose tool that really answers all of those questions. If we can answer that one question, it helps us answer all the other questions. Is this for the glory of God? Especially in gray areas. We've been talking a lot about gray areas the last couple weeks. It started in chapter 8 where Paul's talking about those things that the Bible doesn't tell us specifically. Is there a place in the Bible that says that you should work at Walmart or United? There's not a place that says that. And so one of the ways you answer that question is by saying, which will glorify God more? Which is to the glory of God? Paul adds the phrase in in verse uh, 31 there, whatever you do. In other words, this applies to every area of your life. There is not a part of your life that this doesn't apply to. Okay. You can't say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do my work for the glory of God. And I'm going to go to church for the glory of God. And I'm going to do my ministry for the glory of God. But my marriage, my marriage is for me. No, 
That's going to work really badly for you, okay? That's going to work really badly if you say, you know, my marriage doesn't have anything to do with the glory of God. It has everything to do with the glory of God. The glory of God is the multi-purpose directional tool in our lives. And so, what we need to do first of all today, we need to define the glory of God. Some of you are probably sitting there thinking... I don't even know what he's talking about. What? The glory. What does that mean? The glory of God. What is he talking about? Well, let me give you a definition. The glory of God is God's manifold perfections. Okay? Manifold means many. Okay? God has many perfections. All right? He is perfect in, in all things, all virtuous things. And so basically, think about it this way. Okay? Take some virtuous things. Take, take some good thing. Power. Okay, let's take power. God is powerful to the furthest degree, okay? Take love. God is loving to the furthest degree, mercy. God is merciful to the furthest degree, justice. God is just to the furthest degree, okay? He is so much so that the Bible calls him holy. How many of you have heard that before? The Bible says holy, holy, holy. You know what the word holy means? The word holy means God is separate, okay? He's not in a category with anybody else, okay? You see, Pastor Chris and I, we, we could have a contest. We could say, who's strongest, okay? And we could come up here, we could arm wrestle, and Pastor Chris would whip me, you know, because he's got a beard like Harden. He would whip me, you know, and... <laughs> And then we would be able to say, Pastor Chris is stronger than Jason, okay? But we would be in the same category, okay? I mean, we're still, you know, hopefully I'd put up a little bit of a fight, you know, before he took me down. We'd be in the same category. God's not in the same category as us, okay? You cannot compare God's power to any other power. You can't say, well, God is powerful like 10 volcanoes, 20 tsunamis, and 100 nuclear bombs. No, God is not like that. God is nothing like that. The Bible says in Isaiah 40 that God holds the oceans of the world in the hollow of his hand, okay? So you can't compare him to a tsunami, okay? The Bible says in the same chapter of Isaiah that the mountains of the world are as dust on the scales, okay? You can't... You, you can't say that God is like a volcano. You can't say that God is like a nuclear bomb. Scientists tell us that the sun is like a million nuclear bombs going off at the same time. God spoke the sun into existence with his word. Okay? So are you, are you getting the picture here? God is not even in the same category as us. Okay? And so when we say God is glorious, that's what we're talking about. He is glorious. He is the best of all things. Okay? You can't compare him to anything else. You can't say, well, you know, God loves me like my mom loves me. No, that's not true. I'm really glad your mom loves you. And man, we're glad for Mother's Day. But let me tell you, God's love and your mom's love are not even in the same zip code. Okay? There's times where your mom wants to kill you. All right? And if she probably could have legally, she might have done it. Okay? God loves you on a whole different plane. Okay? God, God, God's love is completely other than our love. God's wisdom is completely other than our wisdom. God is infinitely glorious in all things. Are you guys following me? That's what glory is. Glory is God's manifold perfections. He is all that we need. He is the best of all things. God is glorious. And something you need to understand, this can be hard, okay? Get ready for a gut punch, okay? God is zealous for his own glory. What is God all about? You see, what we would like to think is God is all about us. God just, he's, he just revolves around me, you know? He just looks down at me and says, oh, look, Jason's messing up in his marriage again. Oh, he's so cute, you know? Oh, look, you know? I mean, that's what we want to think is that God's just, all, he's like a grandpa, you know? Just whatever you do, you know? You spit on the floor, grandpa's like, oh, that was precious, you know? I mean, that's what we want to think. God's just all for a, no, here's what the Bible says. God is all about his glory. Isaiah chapter 42 
Verse 8, let me read you some verses. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other. God does not share his glory, okay? God's not good about that. God doesn't share his glory. It's not good for us to share his glory with something else. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9. Here's, here's why God does what he does. For my name's sake... I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you that I may, may not cut you off. Look at verse 11. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. There are hundreds of verses exactly like that in your Bible that basically say God is promoting, God is cheering, God is, is all for his glory. Okay. Now for some of you, that's going to be hard because we, we, we live in a very man-centered society. Society where we think it's all about me, you know? I mean, we have commercials about that. Have it your way. It's all about you. It's you, it's you, you, you. And, and, and all of a sudden we open our Bible and it says, no, it's God, 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 okay? It, it's all about God. And some of you think, well, is that right, you know? Is that right? Because it's not right for me to say that. It's not right for me to say, hey, guys, we're all about Jason here. No, that, that's sin, okay? So why is it not sin for God to say it's all about his glory? Well, the reason is, is because it is all about his glory, okay? And let me ask you this question. What else could God be all about? You know, what else could he be all about? If, if, if God shouldn't be about his glory, what should he be about? Should he be about Ed's glory? You know, should God be all about Ed? You know, and should all be, God be all about praising the, the handsomeness of Ed? And he is, he's a good looking guy, you know. God all about the power of Ed and all about the, you know, the, the uh, no, that's silly. Well, what else? Okay, trees. Should God be all about the trees? Should God be all about the mountains? Should God be all about Burger King? Should God be, what should God be all about? Well, none of those things. Obviously, he spoke all these things into existence, okay? He's above all those things. So what should God be about? Well, you say, well, God should be about nothing. Nothing? Really? That's what we think, that, that God should be up in the heavens saying, well, I'm just about nothing, you know? I'm just bored stiff up here, you know? Just not doing anything, not promoting anything. No, the only thing God can be about is his glory. And when God is about his glory, we are blessed, okay? The thing that we need is for God to be glorified. The thing that makes our lives right is for God to be glorified, okay? And so 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, it's our pliers. We pull it out for every situation in life. says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, how do you do that? How do we live our lives? How do we eat, drink, preach, mow our lawn, do our jobs, parent our kids, talk with our neighbor, take out the trash? How do we do, because that's, that's all that's whatever, right? How do we do that to the glory of God, okay? How, how do we glorify God? Well, first of all, listen, we don't make him glorious, okay? It's not like we dress God up, you know, he, he's, he's kind of unattractive, but we dress him up so he looks better. no. He's already glorious. You know what we do? We point it out. We display it. We reflect it. Here's a good one. We enjoy it. Okay? You see, when we enjoy God, we glorify Him. Okay? Ladies, you will identify with this. What is the way that that, that, that the people you cook for, what is the way, guys, you, you too, you barbecuers, okay? What is the way that they glorify your work? Okay? You know, you know the way it is? By eating a lot of it. Isn't that right? You know, when they eat a lot, when, when man, people are eating and they're shoveling it in and they're making sounds, oh, ah, you know, that's when you know, man, it's good. What they're, they're, they're honoring you by doing that. Okay. When, when, whenever they pass it around and everybody says, oh, I'm not very hungry today. You know, I'll just take a little bit. 
Nobody believes that. Man, you're a swather. You know, you're not eating it because you don't like it. I mean, that, that, that's the reason. And, and so one of the ways we glorify God is when we enjoy him. When we say, God, you are good, man. I want more of your word. I want more worship. God, I want more of your holiness. I want more of you, God. I want to know you more. I want to know you better. God, I want you. That's one of the ways we glorify God. Let's give some specifics here from the Bible. How do we glorify God in our lives? Okay, let me give you some basics here. Number one, by not glorifying ourselves. Okay, one of the one of the first things you got to do if you're going to glorify God is stop exalting yourself. If you're like me, you got to fight this all the time. Uh, you do, I do. Positioning myself so I look good, you know. Marriage. This is a horrible thing in marriage when you're always trying to look like the good spouse, you know. Always trying to look like the martyr. Always trying to look like I'm the one that's doing more, you know. Always trying to look like you owe me. Okay, friendships, neighbors. Always positioning yourself, conversations. How many times do you have a conversation with somebody and it's very clear, man, they're, they're, just, they're just dropping things to impress you, you know? They're, they're, hey, you know, did you know that I, you know? I mean, man, we, we all, or is it just me? Just me? Oh, oh man, it's just me. Well, okay, whatever. It's just me, I guess. Um, I have to deal with that constantly, not exalt myself. That's a, that's a daily battle. Great, great example of this is John the Baptist. Remember, remember what happened with John? The scriptures say all Judea was coming to him. Remember that? Everybody's flocking to him. He's baptizing people. There's this great revival going on. Man, the Spirit of God is on him. And all of a sudden one day as he's in the midst of baptizing people, big crowds are flocking to hear him preach and, and, and call to repentance. All of a sudden here comes Jesus. Remember what John does? John stops everything and he says, right there, right there. That's the Lamb of God. That's, that's the Son of God. That guy right there, I'm not even worthy to tie that guy's shoes. That's what John says. And then everybody starts following Jesus. And remember what John's disciples, the guys working with John, you know what they did? They came to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, everybody's leaving us. Everybody's leaving. Nobody's coming to us. Everybody's going to Jesus. Remember what John said? This is in John 3.30. He said, He must increase. I must decrease. There's the rule right there, folks. He must increase and I must decrease. You see, when we don't get that right, everything else is wrong. Okay? Let me give you an example. In, in, in the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us to be careful whenever we're giving, praying, fasting. He says the same thing over and over again. Let me read you the, the one about giving. He says, when you give to the needy, don't sound the trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. You see, there's a way of doing things, even for God, where we do them just so people will see us, you know? He says, when, when you give, don't, don't sound the horn, you know? Well, I'm going over to help somebody, you know? I'm going to go sacrifice. I'm going to go mow somebody's lawn. Did you guys hear? You know? You know what Jesus says? He said, whatever reward you got from that, that's, that's all you're getting. He says, truly, I say to you, they've received the reward. But he says, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, whenever the glory goes to God, that's when you get the real reward, okay? That's, that's, when, that's when things are right in your life, okay? And so one of the things we've got to not do if we're going to glorify God is not glorify ourselves, okay? Let me give you some others. Real clear in the scriptures. Giving thanks to God. Psalm 50, verse 23. 
The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Did you hear that? The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice. Did you come today wanting to offer God something? I hope you did. I hope you did. And, and, and maybe you thought it was going to be your angelic voice. You know, you thought, man, I'm going to go and I'm going to sing when we sing. And everybody around me is going to be like, I'm so glad that guy's here. I'm so glad that gal's here. Because, man, is that good? You know, you thought it was going to be your voice. You know what God says? God says, you come to here, you come to this place and you offer me a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You see, when we are thankful, we glorify God. When we're, when we're thankful in our hearts, Ephesians 5.20 says when we're thankful for everything, always. Okay? When we are, we're not just thankful for a couple things, but we are thankful in our life. We're thankful for God's providence. We're thankful for God's work. We're thankful for God's His, His, His sovereignty. We are just thankful to God for all things. Whenever we live a life like that, God is glorified. God is lifted up. But remember what we looked at last week? Whenever we gripe and complain, you know what we're doing? Griping and complaining against God is saying, God, you're not glorious. Isn't that right? And that, that what that's doing? We're, we're saying, God, you know, I don't like what you've done. I don't like what, what you're doing here. I don't like this whole deal. I don't like the deal you've given me. I don't like your providence. I don't like your sovereignty. I don't like the way you're, you're working in my life. God, it's not good. I don't like it. That's what we do when we complain, right? We get something, we look at it, and we're like, this is subpar. This is not sufficient. This is not good. And so we have this attitude of grumbling. And grumbling is saying, God, you're not glorious. And thankfulness is saying, God, you are glorious. Huge, huge in glorifying God. Romans 4.20 tells us that when we trust God, when we trust God, we glorify Him. This is talking about Abraham. It says, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Okay, those two things are, are side by side. He grew strong in his faith, gave glory to God. Okay? Whenever you believe the promises of God, you know what you're doing? You're glorifying him. Okay? When, whenever, whenever you say, God, I, I trust you. God, you told me to live this way, and, and I trust you, and I believe, and I'm going to step out and follow, and I'm going I'm to yield my will to your will. Uh, I'm going to say, God, I'm not going to follow my way. I'm going to follow your way. Whenever we do that, we're glorifying him. We're saying, God, I, I trust you. I believe in you. I'm following you. Your way is right. Your way is best. God, I'm, I'm, I'm all after you. Folks, when, 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 we, when we believe and when we have faith, we're, we're glorifying him. And, you know, right on the heels of that is Psalm fifty fifteen. This is a big one. Psalm fifty fifteen says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Call upon... You know what that is? That's prayer. I told the other services, I really believe, here's my goal in the next five years at Lincoln Avenue. There's other things besides this, but this, this is the thing that, God, please make it happen. Make us a praying church. Make us a praying church. Man, our, our Thursday night prayer meetings, wow. They're, they're really poorly attended, to tell you the truth, but there is such a power there. I mean, every, every, every time we have those, I'm just, I'm just impressed by the Lord. This is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. You, you know why? Because let's, let's look at that again. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. You see, when we call on the Lord... For what we need, we, we honor him. We, we lift him up. We praise him. We say, God, you're what I need. When we don't call upon him. Have you ever had people tell you? I've had a bunch of people tell me this. Hundreds, literally. They'll say, you know, pastor, I pray for, I pray for everybody. I pray for my family. I pray for lots of other people. I don't pray for myself. You know, 
I just, God's got, God's got all kinds of other things, you know, on his plate. He doesn't need my problems. Okay, you, you just dishonored God. And I know where, I know where we get that. You know where we get that? We get that because we're that way. Okay. If I come home tomorrow and Haddon on his own without me having to tell him, he has said, you know what? Our lawn is a little high. I think I'll mow it. And he goes out there and he does the whole thing by, and he never asked me for help and he never once came to me and he just did it all on his own. When I get home, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put him on my shoulders and I'm going to run around the neighborhood and say, hail to my great son, okay? I mean, that's awesome. But you know why that's awesome? Because I get tired. I don't like to mow. It's hot out. God is not like us. You see, there's where we go wrong. He's not like us. God never gets tired. God's never up in heaven saying, oh, it's been such a hectic day, you know, all these people asking for stuff. No. God's he's not weak. He's not like us at all. And God says, I want you to come. When you come to me, that honors me. When you go somewhere else, that dishonors me. Let me, let me try to put this in maybe a, a story or an illustration, just a pretend one that you might, you might identify with. Let's say that I'm in, in-house washing the dishes. My wife says, honey, I'm going to go out in the backyard and feed Snickers. It's okay. That'd be great, hon. She goes out the back door, and I don't hear anything else from her. She gets out there. There's a rattlesnake out there. A rattlesnake in our backyard. She's like, ah! She don't want to kill it. She needs help. So she runs out our back door and she runs across the street to Kurt Hensley. You know, she knocks on the door to Kurt. Kurt's not there. So she goes next door to Forrest. Knocks on the door. Forrest is not there. So she goes next door to Stubb Desort. Knocks on the door. Stubb finally comes to the door. She says, Stubb, I got a rattlesnake in my backyard. I don't know what I do. I really need help. Can you come help me? He's like, yeah, 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 sure, Emma. So he grabs his shovel and he comes over and I'm still washing dishes. I don't know anything's going on. I look out my window and there's Stubb Desort in my backyard killing a snake. Let me ask you a question. Did my wife honor me? Did she honor me by not bothering me? Did she honor me by going somewhere else? I can kill snakes. I kill a snake with this pliers right here. We've done it before. We had to throw it about 10 times, but we, we killed it, my brother and I. Men, men, men do you get that? That dishonors me. My wife has to go down the block to finally find a guy to come out and help her. That dishonors me. All right, you're doing the same thing to God when you're prayerless. Same thing. Even worse, actually. You know why even worse? Because Kurt Hensley can kill a snake just as good as I can. Okay? But whatever you're turning to cannot do what you need just as good as God. It's even worse. We dishonor him when we are prayerless. When we don't come continually. And that's, that's why Psalm fifty fifteen. This is a great verse. Call upon me in the day of trouble. And I'll deliver you. And you'll glorify me. Real quick. We're not going to be able to make it through all this. First Peter 4 talks about our service. 4.11 talks about when we step out and serve the Lord. We've got, got a challenge in front of us. A ministry. And we're like, God, I don't know if I can do this. When we do it by his strength. What happens? That God may be glorified. It's another way. How about this one? By welcoming one another. 
Hey, did you guys say the welcome verse? You guys do that every week, don't you? We do that in all of our services. Put that up there, Kenny, our, our Romans 15 verse. Romans 15 verses 5 through 7. No, notice what we say. I don't know if you ever have paid a lot of attention to this. You got it there, Kenny? I bet we know it by memory, don't we? Okay. Let's say it by memory. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear it? Glorify the God and Father. Verse 7, Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the glory of God. We say that every week, twice in there. It talks about what are we doing? We're glorifying God. When we live in harmony with one another, when we are united, and the whole thrust of that is Christ has welcomed you. Now you welcome one another. Okay? The whole thrust of that passage is you treat people as Jesus treated you. And so whenever we treat people like Jesus treated us, you know what? We honor him. We glorify him. You know why? Because we're saying, Jesus, man, the way you do things is awesome. The way you forgive, I want to forgive. The way you love people, I want to love people. The way you give to people, I want to give to people. As we imitate him in, in, in caring for each other, we glorify God. Now, what are the results of glorifying God? Real quickly here. First of all, salvation. Notice verse uh, 33. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Friends, you've heard me say this a hundred times if you've been here at Lincoln Long. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and 4.4 are huge verses in this church. And what they say is, is that salvation comes when people see the glory of God. Okay, let let me read you. Uh, Verse 18, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Chapter 4, verse 4, right down the the page from that, tells us why people don't get saved. In their case, the God of this world, God with a little g, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. When people see the glory of God, they want it. Okay, that's salvation. Okay, if you're here today, you don't care anything for God. You're bored to death. You, 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 you don't like spiritual things. You know why that is? That is because you have not seen the glory of Jesus. And, and so listen, as we live out God's glory, as people see it in us, they're going to be drawn to Christ. That's what people need. They need to see the glory of God. So number one. When we glorify God in our life, you know what? It draws people to him because they see his glory. And when they see his glory, that's what saves. That's, that's, that's how Jesus works. That's how the Holy Spirit works to draw him to himself. Number two, when you live out, when you glorify God, you are in the zone. Okay, you know what I mean by being in the zone? Okay, it's like, it's like everything's where, like it's supposed to be. Okay, you ever feel that way? You feel like, you know, I don't know if you guys ski or mountain bike or something like that where, you know, there's just certain times where everything is flowing, you know, you're just hitting everything just right. That, that's what it is when you are glorifying God, man. All the pieces are in the right place. You know why? Because you're valuing what you ought to value, okay? You, you, you're putting things in the right order, the glory of God, okay? And then, then everything else goes in your life just as it's supposed to be, okay? But when you get that order mixed up, Okay? When that order is me at the top, you know, and my whims next to that, and my comfort after that, and my security after that, and then all the way down here, you've got the glory of God. Okay? When you get things that mixed up in your value system, things are not going to be right in your life. Here's an illustration. Let's say my little haven, four years old. Say so she's out in the driveway. She's playing with a little beetle on the driveway. Mom's van starts up. <clears throat> Mom begins to back up. She doesn't see her. I yell, no, 
I run over, fly through the air, I jump, I scoop up the beetle, turn around, (laughs) made it out. That's a disaster, isn't it? I mean, I mean that, that literally is the ruin of my life. You know why? Very simple. Beetles are not at the top. Haven is above beetles. Okay, listen. Honestly, a lot of your lives are not running in the zone. They're not working like they're supposed to work. You know why? You got things wrong. The glory of God's not the top. You're valuing things in the wrong order. Whenever you do that, things don't things don't run rightly. What does this have to do with Mother's Day? Chapter eleven, verse one. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Can you imagine telling people that? Really? Can you? Can you imagine getting up here in front of the church and saying, all right, church, and this would be awesome if you can. Church, I want you to know that I'm following Jesus in every area of my life. And so if you'll just imitate me, you'll be imitating Jesus because I'm imitating Jesus. How many of you would be willing to do that? You'd be willing to come up with your checkbook, you know, and, and your budget and say, look, everybody can look through. Look, imitate me. I'm, I'm imitating Jesus. How many of you would be willing to get your kids up here? Say, hey, go ahead and interview them. Go ahead and ask them everything, you know. How many of you would be willing to have your, your life on display, your marriage, you know, people know all the ins and outs, no secrets, and you'd be able to say, look, guys, just, just do what I'm doing because I'm doing what Jesus is doing. I think most of us would put our hands underneath like this, right? You know why? Because we're not really excited about people knowing everything because we realize there are areas in our life that we're not following Jesus. How can Paul say, be imitators of me as I am of Christ? You know how he could say that? Because verse 31 was his pliers. Paul had come to a point in his life. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. No. But you you know how Paul made his decisions? What's going to glorify God? You know how Paul made his priorities? Glory God's at the top. Whatever I do, I want to do it to the glory of God. Well, moms, I got some bad news for you. You don't have to come up here. You don't have to show us your checkbook. You don't, you don't have to do any of that. You know why? Because you've got some little ones that are already watching. Did you know that your little people in your life, your, your kiddos, they see all that. They, they know those words you use when you're in traffic. They, uh, they know what you value. They know what you love. They know what you prioritize. They know how you handle frustrations. They know how you handle conflict. They know how you handle... Difficulty, and they know how you handle struggle. They know more about your marriage than you probably know about your marriage. I mean, honestly. Hey, listen, here's the deal. Dads, this includes you, by the way, too. Our kids are going to imitate us. Not everything, praise God, but a lot. How are we going to bear up under that load? You know how we're going to do that? We're going to take our pliers. And everything in our life, we're going to say, what's going to glorify God? What's going to glorify God? What's going to glorify God? And prayerfully, as we live that way, we will live lives that are worthy of imitation. We'll live lives that look like Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are glorious. God, you're, you're everything we need. Jesus, you're, you're at the top. 
And uh, God, you're more valuable than anything. And God, we, we want to keep you there. We want to we honor you with our lives. God, we want to we ask the question of everything in our lives, what, what will glorify you? And so, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to live that way. In Jesus' name, amen.